Hey, welcome back to Gospel Light 360. My name is Brother Jeff. Thanks for joining us today. Gospel Light 360 is where the gospel is at the center of every discussion we have. Gospel Light 360 is about a transforming life of following after Jesus Christ. It's about discovering who Jesus is in every moment and circumstance of our lives. It's been a while since I've been with you. We've uh, had the holiday season, and plus we've moved uh, to a new location, and it's been kind of a hectic time, but glad to be back with you. I want to ask the question uh, that sometimes we ask when we come across somebody that we haven't maybe seen for a while or maybe resemble somebody that we know. We say, do we know you? And sometimes in the process, we're trying to put a, a name with a face or maybe a circumstance that we know them in, try to remember and try to recall maybe the information we have as far as who they are and how we know them. But I think sometimes the question could be even to us, do we know God or does he know us? Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, that there will be many in that day will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do that in your name? And he says to them, I never knew you. Away from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so, again, we can understand that sometimes we think we know people, and then we don't. You know, sometimes people look quite a bit, their features, their mannerisms, and we think we know them, and in reality, they're somebody totally different. And I want to ask the question today, uh, do I know you? Does God know us? And I want to use the, the gospel as our foundation of asking this question and examining ourselves to answer that question. I think sometimes we're very quick to answer uh, whether he knows us or not because we go to church or because we were baptized or uh, I've been a Christian all my life or I've done this or I've done that. But is there really evidence to, to solidify the fact that we know God and he knows us? In Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 21 through 27 Paul says this, and Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, and he said, men of Athens, he says, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. Again, so he's watching how they're worshiping. He sees the, the traditions and all their formalities of what they're doing, and he recognizes they're very religious and how they outwardly express these things. He says, for while I was passing through and examining the object of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. And then Paul says to them, what therefore you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. And again, we may not walk into a place or into our own churches and find, you know, idols sitting in our uh, foyers. But here's the reality of today's religious activity. We can have so many formalities and methods and programs and traditions that have become the priority in our observation or our expression of our worship that we can sometimes go through the the means and, and the ways of worship, and yet not experience God's presence because he's not there. Remember in Revelation chapter 3, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If somebody would just open up, I would come in. He talked to that church of Laodicea as being lukewarm and thinking that they're okay, but they're not. And so we need to continue to just kind of ask ourselves the question, are we really worshiping an unknown God? Do we know the God we say we believe in? Now, again, we can never know no God. We'll never know him completely. Yeah, until we get into glory and see him face to face without our flesh and without our sin, without the world interfering into our efforts of trying to know God. But God gives us the ability, the opportunity to know him personally because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And he says here, the God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he says he does not dwell in temples made with hands. And he says, and neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to life all, all life and breath and all things. And so again, God doesn't need us. 
It's not like we know him because we're doing things for him. God desires a relationship with us. Now, he does work through us and accomplish things through us, but he doesn't need us. And I think sometimes we justify our thinking that we know God because we're doing certain things. And in reality, again, we God gives everything, life and breath. He's given us the boundaries of our life. He's set aside the things in our lives. He's talented, given us talents and given us abilities. He gives us every breath and every heartbeat. And so it's God who's working through us. So he doesn't need us. And so we can't base our, do we know you, based upon what we're doing, but in the relationship that we have with him. It says, and he made one, from, uh, one out of one, every nation and mankind to live on the face of the earth. He says, having determined their appointed times and their boundaries of habitation. So that, in verse 27, so that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not very far from any one of us. And so again, God is, though he seems to be distant, far away, he's never far away from us. He's right there. He sees the motives and the intentions of our hearts. Uh, the, the psalmist talked about the fact, if I could just go to the depths of the sea or go to the darkest place on earth, he said, thou art there because darkness is light to you. We cannot hide from God. We cannot run from God. He's always there. But he says, if we know him, if we truly know him, there should be an evidence of that of how we pursue him and seek him and desire to know more of him. You know, the people we, we, we maybe somebody you dated before and in the process of knowing them, you wanted to spend more and more time with them because you wanted to get to know them. And that's what God says. You don't know me fully. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And then he says, but if you really know me and I know you, you're going to pursue me. You're going to seek and desire to know more about me. If you remember the, the story in John chapter 4 of the woman at the well with Jesus, uh, they get in this discussion about, you know, he says, you know, you want to drink a water and, and you'll never thirst again. And she said, he said, but first bring your husband. And she says, well, I have no husband. And the minute she understands and feels the conviction, she wants to change the subject to where we worship. He, she says, you know, we worship here, but you, you people say you worship over there. And Jesus says this, he says, you worship that which you do not know. He says, but we worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. He says, but an hour is coming, and it now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, so when we come to a place of worship, and to come to a place where we gather together to seek God's face. So I think sometimes we lose perceptive, perception of what we're there for. Sometimes we come to hear a worship team or a, a pastor or a speaker speak on a top topic, and we're not really coming to hear God speak to us. You see, because God speaks through his word. He speaks through his servants. The, the, the disciples, those he chose, God through the Holy Spirit, had them write down the words he wanted them to say, but they were God's words. But I think sometimes we just drift toward that place of putting more emphasis on the man or the other worship team more than we do the fact that we have come to worship God. Again, if we know him, then our heart's desire is to look for him, to listen for him, not listen to a man, not listen to a group or a special uh, you know, speaker that's come in, but listen for God to speak. And he says, again, Paul said it in Acts, you're worshiping that which you don't know. You're worshiping an idea in your head of who God is. Uh, and, and you're not worshiping the true God. 
He tells the woman, he says, here, you're worshiping at what you do not know because you're not worshiping in spirit and in truth. You see, when the spirit is leading us in worship and seeking God, our whole focus and attention upon is what God is saying to us personally. And we're going to be in a place where we want to speak the truth and acknowledge the truth that God does speak. That brings conviction, that brings uh, confession, and that brings repentance. And so in the process of knowing God and him knowing us, God is transforming us. And in the process of transforming us, there's going to be this relationship where he reveals himself to, and in the process reveals our, our flesh that's in the way. And that brings conviction. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, he says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, Again, we can take worldly wisdom and approaches trying to discover God. Like we read in a history book and we, we absorb all the information and all the names and all the dates. And somehow we think we know what we know. But God says in the process of man trying to pursue God this way, he doesn't find him. He says, again, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. But God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message, the gospel, Preach to save those who believe. Again, God, you know, sometimes even disciples ask Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Because God wanted this mystery, this, this knowledge of him, not to be something that man can achieve by his own pursuits, but by the Holy Spirit revealing it to him. And so this knowledge of knowing God and him knowing us comes to that relationship of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 22 through 24, or 23 through 24, it says this, by this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you will walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be well with you. Then in verse 24, he says, But yet they did not obey or incline their ear, but they walked in their own counsel, their own understanding, their own wisdom, and in the stubbornness of their evil heart. And the word evil basically means unbelief. They walked in the stubbornness of their unbelieving heart, and they went backward instead of forward. Again, God's purpose was not just for us to have a sin management thing that we could work and do better and, and try to make ourselves better people in this world. God came into us with his salvation that he might transform us into the image of Christ. And if we're not moving forward, we don't see the transformation going on because God's working because we know him and he knows us, that we need to examine what we really have. In Romans 1, verse 20 through 23, it says, For even though they knew God intellectually, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became what? Futile, empty, in their speculations, and in their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, understanding, thinking they know God, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God, knowing this incorruptible God, for an image in the form of corruptible man. In other words, man says he believes in God, but in reality, he's only taken the, the aspects of God that he wants so he can still continue to live the life he wants. And so we kind of chip away and we kind of, you know, carve away the things that we don't like or are too uncomfortable for us, but yet we still say we believe in God. And so we've exchanged the glory for the incorruptible God for the one that we want to believe in. So again, do you know God and does he know you? Do I know you, God says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 7, it says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world 
has blinded the minds of the what? The unbelieving. Those who have chosen not to believe, Satan has has access to the fact that he can blind them and harden their hearts even further. He says that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Again, to know God is to see God, to see Christ, to see who he really is and, and what he's done for us and that he is the exalted one, the righteous one. It says, and for we do not preach ourselves, but we, we preach Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as just bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Again, this whole pursuit of God is this us not trying to intellectually rationalize or try to find the answer, but for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see the light of the glory of Christ, of who he really is, and confess and repent and come to him for his salvation. And that's what God's called us to. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not ourselves. Again, it's not a, a personal intellectual pursuit that we follow after, but it's only through God's grace and his love coming toward us to reveal himself to us through the Holy Spirit, convicting our hearts of our, of our sinfulness and our lostness, and then giving us the grace to receive him by faith the salvation he's offered to us. In John 17, uh, this prayer that Jesus has toward the Father, in verses 25 and 26, he says this, O righteous Father, although the world has not known thee, yet I have known thee. And these, speaking of his disciples, have known that thou didst send me, and I have made thy name known to them, and will make it known, continue to make it known, reveal yourself to them, that the love wherewith you love me that they may be that, that love may be in them also, and I in them. Again, this do I know you is all about again the personal indwelling presence of God in us through the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what it means to know Him and for Him to know us. I'm going to close here with First John chapter five, verse nineteen and twenty. He says, "We know that we are of God." So that's the question. Do you know that you know that you know we are of God? Not that you know a lot about God, but can you honestly say the Holy Spirit has revealed himself and it, with your spirit and his spirit has made known that you are a child of God? We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know him, Jesus Christ, who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. This is the true God, and this is eternal life. John seventeen three describes what eternal life is. This is eternal life, that we may, we may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. God is saying, do I know you, and do you know him? God bless, and this is the gospel.